and welcome to the last episode of our series, Exploring the Multiverse. During this last season, Mara Sadra, CEO and co-founder at Incremental, had the pleasure of sharing the space with 22 industry experts and thought leaders. During these talks, they dove into hypothetical scenarios, from guessing what the next changes could be in the App Store, to assessing the trendiest social media platform, or deprecation of one, and other times just going straight down the dystopian rabbit hole. Each conversation took a different turn, and while some scenarios seem like it's a matter of when, and not if, luckily others seemed more likely to occur in a galaxy far, far away. For this special closing interview, Maher himself will be in the hot seat, and I, Joanna Leafling, marketing lead at Incremental, had the pleasure of asking him what he thinks the multiverse looks like. Tune in as we talk about the potential takeover of voice search on text-based search, and what will the advertising space look like if, or when, CTV takes over traditional television. Who do you think gets to maximize this advertising channel? I thoroughly enjoyed putting Mar on that spot and letting him share with us different versions of a parallel universe that could be, including the one where he is a rock star. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Mauer. Welcome to Exploring the Multiverse. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's weird, huh? Yeah, now you're on the other seat, on the hot seat. I'm on the other seat. Yeah, to be fair, I'm actually on almost the same seats I've, I've actually used for most of these interviews. I know we moved offices, so it's, it's, it's a different seat. How does it feel to be on the other side? It's uh, interesting. Let's see. Let's see. This is just the beginning, no? That's true. Okay. So no nerves, no nothing. You you know how this goes. But for um, even now, you've conducted over 22 interviews uh, for this series specifically. But now you are going to be rounding up and I get to interview you. So for the audience that hasn't um, heard about you yet, can you give us a little introduction? Yeah, uh, short or long? Up to you. Nah, come on. Okay, let's let's make it short. Okay, cool. So I'm Maor Sadra. I'm CEO and co-founder of Incremental. Uh, Incremental is a SaaS measurement platform. It allows companies to measure the actual incremental value of whatever it is they want to measure. Um, incremental was born late 2020, pretty much exactly around the same time Apple announced the whole like deprecation of the IDFA, which for us was a very, very nice day, I must say. And yeah, and I've been in this space for a while now, 20 something years, uh, grew from the bottom up. I was uh, on the web days and then made the switch to mobile. And I think I was always kind of like fascinated on the topic of what goes behind the scenes of digital advertising. Um, for me, it was always kind of like the measurement, the logics, the, the things that people take for granted that I, I basically asked a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And yeah, that's kind of like what drove me uh, to do this. Nice. And now uh, we're going to take a little spin into the multiverse and explore some hypothetical scenarios that sometimes are not so hypothetical because as we know in this industry, things change constantly. And I think, um, I mean, just to quote you back, uh, the only thing that's uh, constant in this industry is change. So uh, let's start with the first topic. And I'm curious, what do you think if voice search surpasses traditional text-based search in popularity? What would that look like? It's a, I, I'm, that's a quite an interesting question. Um, like, first of all, I think we are heading there. So it's not a what if, it's a when. Um, you know, the... What was it? A few weeks ago, when Apple revealed Vision Pro, okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually forced—not forced—I set my kids and told them, 
you need to see this. Okay, I, I basically think this is revolutionary. Yes, it might also fail. We don't. We both know, but I think that as a trend, um, the whole idea of like remo removing the like interface to a world where you can essentially look at stuff, flick stuff, um, talk to stuff, really changes a lot of things that we are like used to or take for granted right now. One of these is search. Um, mm -hmm. basically prompting a device to do whatever you want it to do and for it to actually do it, okay? Because I think one of the major difficulties right now, if you look at search, um, is, and I think that's also one of the reasons why ChatGPT is like actually becoming so successful and the whole generative AI for search and text is, is so successful. If you search for something right now, sometimes the first 10 pages are going to be irrelevant or someone trying to sell something to you that is not what you want okay mm -hmm. to give you an example mm -hmm. yesterday uh, moti which you know very well um moti my co-founder and i were looking for a wireless webcam for the office and the first 10 pages were all not relevant we're all wired we're all oh. not what we were looking for it's quite weird but mm -hmm. i'm saying um um if we're heading towards a future where you're going to talk to a machine and it's going to give you exactly what you asked for, exactly understanding what you actually meant, um, that is quite the change um, to our ecosystem because a lot of our ecosystem is driven by people who this is their job. It's to optimize towards search, towards keywords, towards text. And they do it with like proper ways. Then they do it with some less than proper ways, let's say like that. Um, and I think basically it really ups the competition for talent. Mm -hmm. It really ups the competition for relevance and content. Um, and it's almost as, you know, if you go to Google News, uh, I'm feeling lucky. I actually think they deprecated this button, right? For I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, I think they, they killed the button. But you, you, you used to have I'm feeling lucky, which would just take mm -hmm. you to the first result. To the first page. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And today, honestly, to get to the first result, you really need to like bid very high. It's like uh, it's unavoidable. So I think it creates, first of all, it disrupts the industry and our world as we know it. Uh, but it also creates new opportunities as pretty much any disruption in technology. It creates new op uh, opportunities, but it completely changes kind of like our how we use uh, certain devices, how we explore, how we consume uh, if you can basically tell something, hey, show me this about this, about that, mm -hmm. and get it, and this is what you are actually looking for, it's quite interesting. But again, I think that the whole um, concept of like marketing, organic marketing, SEO, SEM, um, all would change dramatically as a result of. And again, going back to what I said first, I don't think this is an if. This but is rather a, a when. Yeah, I don't think this is, so maybe it's already happening on a different uh, multiverse, but I think in our verse, it's an if. And I would say five to six years. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan now of image search. So like every time I'm trying to figure out something, I've recently moved. So sometimes I, I find something at a restaurant, like a piece of furniture that I like or a plate. And I'm like, oh, where do I find this? It's actually super practical. Um, so... Yeah, it could be. It could be that voice takes over. And I think, by the way, we are not the ones dictating it. At the end, it's the newer generation who take things for granted. So, you know, I was talking with my son uh, 
yesterday and we were talking about advancement in technology and explaining to him, like, you know, imagine a kid a hundred years ago couldn't imagine the world we're living in. Mm-hmm. Couldn't consider, perceive, think about it. Maybe you had, you know, a few very, very selective uh, people who could kind of like visualize, but people would often think either they're crazy or it's just not really the thing. And you look at things today and so many things that we take for granted. Again, we are literally now on a video call. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. 30 years ago, okay? Would you imagine that we could be doing this? No, absolutely not. Yeah. With my dial-up internet and uh, <laughs> no, there would have not yeah. been a chance to have this think, conversation. By the way, 30 years ago, I think we barely had dial-up internet. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. I was about nine years old. So yeah. 25, 23 years ago, we had, yeah. I had dial-up so, internet at least. So I'm saying it's like um, often we cannot really perceive the advancement in uh, technology, but then when something is there and we essentially get adapted and used to it, then we can't even think of how things used to be in the past. Like, how would you travel the world in the past without a smartphone? Yeah, or Google Maps every day. How would I get from point A to point B if I've never been to point B? Like, I'm honestly, sometimes, you know, when I'm driving, using a GPS to get to a random location, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, how did I do this in the past? No, I remember, like, having to tell my parents how to, like, we had these maps that rolled out of the glove compartment. And then like trying to figure out which way is north. Uh, yeah, it, it caused some some stirs in the car. <laughs> so yeah. I'm very happy that we have modern technology to get us from point A to point B. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that like, I think that uh, we can't even really picture how it will look like. But I do think that if you look at trends and if you look at the inventions that are coming up and if you just think about it, there's a lot of things that are today in our day to day and we're used to, but they suck. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, it'll be a learning curve for us to, well, let's see, five to six years, we'll have the conversation and look back on today. Um, I wanted to go a different direction. Now, we've uh, also, you know, internally, you and I have talked a lot about connected TV and how it's on the rise and it's really disrupting uh, traditional television advertising. So my question to you is, what if traditional television advertising becomes obsolete and the rise of streaming uh, with the rise of streaming platforms? Well, I think this is, again, not really an if other than certain types of uh, content. So news content remains live. Um, and I think that sports content, or a lot of it remains live. But if you start looking at some of the uh, like biggest uh, providers of streaming, they're starting to buy these licenses and the rights. Now, like, obviously, you need to remember that because this is like um, IP and so on, you do have a lot of these contracts that go for decades. So it means if someone has the rights to broadcast NFL or FIFA, and usually they do a deal for like 30, 40, 50, 70 years. Um, so it's going to be a while before all of this content is available for, let's say, a Netflix uh, to buy and to be able to to basically put, put on their platform. But in the meanwhile, when it comes to kind of like the consumption of content, um, well, I think that the probably, I don't know stats to be fair. And so this is a lot of gut feeling and maybe some stats that I read uh, kind of like as a by the way. Um, but I would say that the majority of people from like generation X and younger, they're all on streaming. Maybe mm-hmm. some of them still do have like uh, cable, Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the majority of consumption is streaming. Like if you, I actually think that like one of 
uh, Google's best acquisition ever was YouTube. Uh, yeah, I think we asked the question uh, even in our own room the other day, right? Who still had cable? And I believe it was one out of six of yeah. us that was actually still connected uh, traditionally to well to traditional TV. Yeah, I think I've been I've been disconnected from cable since two thousand six. So, but I mean, I I was always kind of like an early adopter when it comes to gadgets and technology. But I would say that again, I think that this is already like there. I think the only kind of like remaining uh, islands when it comes to content is for sure news and on and sports, which for sports is it's really just about a lot of rights. And for news, news is linear, is live. Honestly, you don't really go and read. Hey, what was on the news last year? Okay, or oh, I want to read this like news piece from three months ago about who was, um, I don't know, like I'm thinking of like some criminal. Um, after they were already caught, it's kind of like you know, it's no longer news, and that's that's the thing. So I think it's the only thing that is kind of like still there, and there's a lot of people who will actually sit down and watch. But again, if you think of kind of like the cable or the like linear TV stations. At the end, I think most of them figured out that their forte is creating content and selling the rights. And mm. this, you already have the infrastructure, like syndication and so on. And you can create a TV series and uh, sell the rights to it globally. And now you have buyers. You have a lot of buyers. Um, and in a way, I think it's beneficial for the legacy content creators, the NBCs of the world, for example. Mm-hmm. Right now, they don't need to really not continue both maintaining all this infrastructure and producing all this content, which was all crazy expensive. Um, now they can essentially take parts of it. They can take the production, they can take the content creation, but they don't actually need to handle all the distribution and infrastructure because it's all online. And be- beyond production, how do you see advertising changing? Because we've also seen like uh, the likes of Netflix and stuff having now uh, subsidized, right? So you're actually paying uh, less money, but you actually get ads now. How yeah. will this transform? Um... I think similar to digital advertising in general, this is kind of like the revolution that is coming. Like um, if you wanted to advertise in, on TV, okay, let's say you want to advertise on your local cable station. First of all, there is a lot of regulations for TV advertising. In almost every country, you need to go through compliance and review and, and rating sometimes. And every step here is resources money budgets you want to get rating that someone reviewing your like uh, videos for a couple of hours and rating it um someone reviewing the scripts and rating it there's processes for these things on the other hand digital because it's younger always comes in a little less regulated so right now if you wanted to start a ctv campaign there are self-service platform as long as you have a video you can literally be on the air within an hour from now, probably even less. And this really changes things because from the long, meticulous, bureaucratical often process and very expensive process of advertising on TV, uh, when TV stops being TV and TV becomes mostly connected TV, it's it's. Kind of like starting a campaign on a Google or a Facebook. It, I think it takes, I don't know, I, I think you can, I once timed it, but I'm pretty sure you can set up a campaign on Google within a minute. Is it going to be the most successful campaign? <laughs> Probably not, but you can. And mm-hmm. the same goes. It, it shortens the time span from months or literally impossible for smaller companies. 
um, to instant. And by the way, what that does is it creates, essentially once you open up the inventory, okay? Once you can go and advertise on whatever channel you want, or it's not really the channel anymore, but when you can advertise on whatever platform medium you want to get to the audience, you are bringing a lot more demand. You're bringing advertisers that couldn't start a campaign in South Korea on TV because good luck with the bureaucracy and like if you're not from South Korea, um, to suddenly advertisers who can. Mm -hmm. Now, once you bring things into the global arena from the local or global arena, then you're really creating a bump. This is why, by the way, I think we did an article about this. Like, while I love mobile advertising, and this is where I've been in the last like 10 plus years, or actually longer now, um, mobile advertising has definitely grown, but like connected TV advertising grew almost 10x. Yeah, that's where, yeah, in that article, you talk about how uh, beyond like the growth that we saw with mobile, this is just so much, it's just coming in so much faster. Yeah, and I think that linear, again, linear is, I would say, stagnated. It's slightly declining, but generally it's stagnant. I would probably see at the end um, a removal of what is linear versus what is connected because it's all connected. Yeah. yeah. Now it's all, it is all interconnected. I want to, I want to go deeper a little bit into advertising, uh, maybe moving away from TV. Um, if we look at, you know, you talked about generative AI already, um, but pointing into programmatic advertising specifically, what if it evolves to a point where human involvement is no longer necessary? What does that look like? Mm. Is it feasible? Mm. Okay, it's a good question. So I'm kind of hoping that human, like, obviously is still required. Um, the question is at what capacity? And I think that, like, at the end, I think that there is, take, you know, let's go away a little bit from advertising into design, okay? Um, or you're not music. Hmm. Um, we all are capable, capable, okay, of being excellent musicians, composing. We're all capable. Okay. From a, from I'm going to hear you out. From a biological standpoint, okay? We're all capable, okay? We have the same, like, uh, I don't know, organs. And, again, I'm talking about humans now, but we, we basically have the same biology and are able to compose music, write music, but it doesn't mean that we can all do that. Okay? You like the talent, possibly. Yeah, and and again, it's like talent, skill, and tenacity to actually get better and better and better, and improvement, and so on. And yes, maybe you can say that some people have um, better um, musical hearing and can identify high versus low notes better than others. Okay, this is like you can claim that this is a factor as well, but I don't think it's the factor. Now, when I look at the um, generative AI for design or music, so theoretically speaking, we can all tell a generative AI tool to compose music for us. But if we don't really have the skill, talent, capacity, understanding, I doubt that someone who is good at it um, will generate the same outcome as someone that's not good at it. And the good at it, by the way, means made the effort of actually 
not necessarily educating themselves, but more like um, going into it, having the vision, having the um, the passion towards it. Okay. And again, if you now put your mind into it and go and study music and learn an instrument or learn production for the next couple of years, you will get better at it. Okay. And I'm still saying you now, let's say, who don't have this experience versus someone else with 10 years that does have the experience will use generative AI to produce a better outcome. So now taking this analogy into programmatic, programmatic advertising, at the end, programmatic advertising, it's, it's, it's again, it's a talent, skill, tenacity, understanding, understanding how it works and how you can do better than your competitor. Because take the simplified view, I don't know, you want to advertise on Google. I can advertise on Google, you can advertise on Google. One of us will have a better result. And it's not because Google did anything different. It's because we did something different from one another. You bid X, I bid Y. Uh, you use this creative, I use that creative. We could be advertising the same exact product, but we're going to have different outcomes, even though the tool, Google being the tool here, same as if we're talking talking about generative AI, um, the generative AI DSP would be the same tool, but we would be producing different outcomes because we approach it differently. So... I actually don't think the human element will ever disappear. Um, for sure, the bidding, bidding strategy, there is a lot that you can like, like um, unload from yourself into a machine to do and think. And But I still think that there needs to be some kind of a, I don't want to use the word supervision because supervision also is a data science term. Um, but I think that there needs to be a, someone with the passion to do better mm -hmm. and passion will for me also includes skill understanding or at least desire to understand so where is there room for generative ai in advertising oh there's a lot of room again it's substantially easier easier if you know what you want um, to tell generative ai do this and if it's not exactly what you want you can also understand how to tell it what to do, um, and it's this iterative process um, until you get it right based on your vision of what you wanted. Going back mm -hmm. to the music analogy, let's say I will tell a generative AI, compose a song that sounds like this and has these chords and these, um, um, I don't know how to say it in English, but like it's called like a harmonic ladder in Hebrew. Um, if it doesn't sound, so again, it will do it. It will do it. Will it be what I wanted? If I have the talent, skill, and experience, I will be able to understand, or at least here, this is not what I want. This is what I do want. And iterative, 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 which is still, by the way, how you create music, by the way. The mm -hmm. only difference is that when you create music, you need to do all the grunt work yourself, um, which is often, again, composing, writing, harmonizing, and you can actually automate a lot of it. Same goes for the advertising bit. There's so much ants work that we do um, that can really just disappear. And now I want to go into a little bit of privacy. So I know now everything that's been happening with the changes uh, post ATT and as we continue, I mean, also as a user, you see more and more uh, privacy regulations coming into play. What if privacy conscious consumers adopt more ad blocking technology? Uh, leading to a decline in traditional advertising. 
effectiveness. Yeah, I also think this is one of those things that are happening. And, you know, sometimes like, you know, when you often face users, like users for me would be anyone that is not within our industry that doesn't understand how this whole thing works. But when I often speak with users, first of all, don't really like ads. And they do a lot in order to avoid ads. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it includes paying wherever they can. I also think that our industry sometimes is shooting its own legs by being, I don't know, too aggressive. Like ads today are aggressive. They're often loud and they're in your face and you can't close them and they're annoying and the frequency is too high and it's everywhere. You can't, like places that used to not be monetized are now monetized. So def definitely think this is like a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy this industry almost is bringing on itself. Um, I think that what we're seeing is definitely the rise of like micro-influencers, um, which is like it's just a new medium that is currently eclectic and disorganized and unregulated, of course, or actually somewhat regulated, but definitely not where it should be. And I think that's a new medium that is rising. I also think we're going to see more new mediums. And right now there's a lot of talk about retail media, about anyone that has space monetizing it. And while the audience size might be niche, uh, it might be the niche that it's the perfect niche for some advertisers. And then again, it's all becoming about relevancy, about contextual advertising. And in a way, I think it's good because it kind of like brings us to the almost early days of advertising, which was about message, content, location, price, and not about this, like, um, I don't know, data-driven marketing. I think data-driven marketing was actually quite bad for marketing at the end because all it tried to do was to um, basically label users on like who they are and what they do. And I think that it reached a point where for the average user, including myself, to be fair, it was like too much. Um, and honestly, it didn't really serve that much benefit for the trade-off of like having all your data there. Um, so in a way, I think that like the roots of advertising and marketers actually remember that advertising is more than just like who clicked my banner less. Um, it really brings us back to the basics, the positive. Um, and the positive is, again, if you think of like the place of advertising or the, um, the function it has, it tells you about stuff that you might not know about. And sometimes yeah. it reminds you about stuff that you might not know about. And sometimes its timing is great and sometimes its timing is not so great. But to move from that to essentially tackle you with what I think you want, um, I think it was a little like too much. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think we're seeing more people going back to kind of the root of advertising in terms of looking at consumer behavior, looking at but the heart is and the creative and the importance of the messaging beyond um, just a numbers game of getting you at every touch point, just bombarding you and actually the, the user becoming numb uh, to all the noise. So let's see. Let's see if the the future of advertising is bright. Yeah. No, I do think it, it is. And I think that the... Uh regulations that came or at least at least the self-regulations that came from the platforms put aside the agenda they had because obviously for-profit companies have agenda mm -hmm. um putting those aside 
I think it's within the benefit of the entire like ecosystem industry um and the end also for users for consumers like yes there is always a shock when there is a change but long term I think we're fine okay that's good that's nice to end on that positive note um I'd like to look at a multi a mauer multiverse and uh, I'd like to kind of go a little bit away from the advertising space and see, you know, you talked about how you sat with your kids uh, for the last Apple keynote to look at vision, but what is one technological advancement that was promised to you 20, 30 years ago? I don't know, something you saw in the Jetsons maybe um, that is way long overdue. Yeah, so definitely the uh, flying skateboard from Back to the Future too. <laughs> to be like, um, I like, so I'm a big fan of these electric scooters. I know that a lot of people don't like them, but I'm a really, really big fan of them. At least they are the closest thing to that flying skate, that pink flying skateboard that Marty McFly uh, used. Which, yeah, I just I remember as a kid fantasizing almost daily on getting one, on having one. I remember when I went to Disney World in Orlando, you have this ride, or at least who used to have this ride, Back to the Future. And when you go to this ride, they had a room where they had the skateboard with like the magnets below it. And uh-huh. like you, you completely think like it could work, it could work. Why is no one inventing this? Um, yeah, so that was the thing I really, really, really wanted more than anything. And do you have one of those, like, I mean, it's not exactly like a floating hoverboard or skateboard, but they do have those electric ones, right? With the remote I, that I, I've seen, I, I like just a longboard. I actually just bought one. Ah, <laughs> not not for the cool. not for the ocean. For the ocean, I have a, a sub, stand-up pedal board. No, yeah. no, no. Like those long boards, like a slightly longer version of a skateboard. I, I don't know. So I actually have like an electric scooter um, that I bought for myself. Yeah. Because um, I used to, I actually used to spend so much on the uh, the rentals that it it really did make sense for me to just own yeah so now i have one and i use it all the time no, with a, with a, with a bright orange helmet uh-huh very conscious yeah that's yes, good yes, i think yes. is it is it mandated in israel also to use the it helmet is, or? it is also mandated but it's also scary as hell driving here using a scooter so i wanted the brightest color they had even though it's it's funny and people laugh but i don't care They'll spot you from a mile away, which is good. That's what you want. That's yeah, the point exactly. of it. Now, in the course of these interviews, I have heard a wider range of jobs that you would be doing if you were not CEO. So I've heard content creator. I've heard um, that you wanted to, that think, when you were in AdOps, you absolutely think, loved it. Yeah. So I'm just curious, in a parallel timeline right now, if you weren't doing what you're doing, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you? Any ideas? Like what? Well, if we if we really, really, really go in the past, then I would maybe have proceeded with music and be a, like a pretty well known rocker or dead rocker, you know, twenty seven club, because um, uh, I was definitely like a rocker as a musician. I had a couple of bands, and I think I got more attracted into this world when I started into it. And in my first maybe two three years, I used to juggle. So come to work after band rehearsal that ends at 4 a.m. But you're young. You can apparently 
like handle that. You could do it. You I, could I do cannot it. handle that anymore. But uh, in a parallel universe, yeah, that's that's hopefully what I will be doing. Um, like rocker musician alive. Um, later in my career, I'm pretty happy about the uh, career moves that uh, like I came. But I wasn't kidding when I when I interviewed Bishoy from uh, Daily Motion. Adops was the bomb. Adops was so fun. Adops is you dealing with figures and solving annoying problems that no one wants to annoy, but it's kind of like an endless puzzle. Um, it's not for everyone. I don't think it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how I want to live uh, on the daily. But luckily, I mean, you have your own puzzles now to sort. Let go. Playmobil. I've heard also some love in the office for um, Playmobil. But no, I think, uh, I can't imagine. Did you have long hair? Never. No, I would have enough for if I had long hair. Okay. I thought maybe you were like completely No, no, I had it. My hair grows afro. Okay. Also a cool look. Yeah. I tried once, (laughs) but, you know, you have this phase where it's like almost seven centimeters that... No. Yeah, it's like women growing out bangs. You get yeah. them, you grow them out. You think I heavily regretted this decision. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, more. Um, that brings us to the end of our interview. Um, how was it on the hot seat? It was interesting. It was uh, nice to be. Uh, actually, it's tough questions. Um, I get that some people definitely did some prep times. I'm not a big believer of prep time. Plus, I don't have the time for prep time, so. I'm more kind of like, again, this is what we do. So keep it casual and speak my voice. Nice. Well, it was great to have you. And with this, we end the season of Exploring the Multiverse. So thank you to all of our participants uh, who have been joining us up until now. And uh, look forward to the next season. Uh, We'll be posting on our socials about the topics shortly and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you, Mar. Thank you, Joanna. Yeah.